This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Acceptance. Do we live a life to be accepted? And I'm, I'm going to keep talking about my book, Black Fortunes. Yes, because it is really powerful. Shamari Wills's book, uh, the story of the first six African-Americans who survived slavery and became millionaires. Now, I just talked about Black Wall Street, O.W. Gurley, J.B. Stratford, philosophy, etc. But if you really look at the decimation of Tulsa, Oklahoma, of Greenwood, Tulsa, Oklahoma, it came down to strategy and philosophy. So O.W. Gurley, again, wanted to forge a relationship with the white part of Tulsa, Oklahoma. He felt it would um, empower Greenwood to have a relationship. So he was their self-appointed sheriff. He went to their meetings. He was known by them. And so the day that Dick Rowland was accused of raping or sexually assaulting a girl in an elevator on the white side of Tulsa, O.W. Gurley went over after he was arrested to make sure that he wouldn't get killed, lynched, right? Because the lynch mob had already formed outside of the prison. But the question is, you know, why was Dick Rowland on the white side of Tulsa? So I, I, as I'm reading this story, I'm thinking, if Dick Rowland, because he could have been employed in Greenwood. Greenwood had myriad businesses and myriad ways for him to make money and earn a living. It was wealthy. It was wealthier than the white side of Tulsa, which was probably the bone of contention, right? So Dick Rowland, what was he doing on the other side of the, of the tracks? And, and so as I asked that question, I'm like, because it was a free country and he could do what he wanted. But if you live in a world, and this goes beyond race, so we're going to talk about that in a second, but if you live in a world where you know your very existence is an affront to the people on the other side, being over there with your wealthy asses, being over there with the audacity to come and quote unquote take money because we hear this all the time. These people are coming in taking money and dollars and taking jobs that could be ours. Is there already an antagonistic relationship where they're just waiting for something to happen? So when a girl screams out in an elevator, oh, here's our opportunity. Let's string this N-word up. And that's what happened, right? So O.W. Gurley, came over to the other side and and had a conversation with the sheriff on the other side and was like, please do not ha- let him get lynched. And they were like, we won't. So they put uh, Dick Rowland on the top floor of a multi-story prison so that they couldn't just storm in and they had police armed in front of the prison and then on every floor to make sure that Dick Rowland would not be lynched. So O.W. Gurley went back and said, everything's good, but people didn't believe him because they saw him as a sellout. So they didn't trust that he actually had the relationship that he had, which he actually did have, right? So there's layers to this, right? When, when you talk with the other side, there's always going to be an eyebrow up. When you, when you try to forge relationships with people who don't like you, your own folk are going to look at you like a sellout. Right. Even if you have a strategy and the strategy for O.W. Gurley was to keep everyone alive and safe. Right. So the soldiers, the soldiers that came back from World War One weren't having it. They had just fought for freedom and they fought for this country and they felt that they had the right 
to go and let people know you're not going to just take one of our own out of a jail and lynch him. So they came over with their weapons, which pissed off a lot of white people because who do these N-words think they are, right? They came over. O.W. Gurley's like, please go back. They went back. They got a little drink in them. Came back. And so that second time coming back with the guns was the breaking point. And that set off this lynch mob that had grown to hundreds, like several hundreds, and then thousands as they start to spread the word that the N-words are uprising, because that's how that went down, right? They are coming over here with guns. Let's go to their part of town and destroy it. And we know what happened over a two-day period, firebombs and everything, decimation. And ironically, one of the first targets was O.W. Gurley's hotel. He had to get out. He lost just about everything, as a matter of fact. He lost just about everything, the man that was trying to hold it all together. But I think about this because those of us um, who are striving for things, who are successful, there are people in our lives who see that striving as an affront to them, who see our very success, our very existence as an affront to them. There are family members, friends, so-called friends, I'm putting up air quotes, because a person that's truly your friend is happy for you. Happy for you the way uh, Miss World from, from Jamaica was happy, you know, uh, when her friend won uh, from, from Africa. I can't remember the country now, but uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. Miss South Africa, I think it was. That kind of joy, you know, to see someone else succeed, genuine. That's what a real friend would do. But you know that there are people in your life who may smile in your face and are not happy with your success because your success means somehow that they're not successful. They are comparing their life to you. And as they compare their life to yours, it doesn't hold up. And so instead of doing better, because somewhere inherently inside of themselves, they know they can't compete. They'd rather destroy you than to compete with you. But the reality is there's no competition because my life is my life. Your life is your life. Sounds like a Mary J. Blige song. <laughs> but we aren't in competition. And the reality is the things that I have to go through to get to where I'm going, you may not be willing to do. Nor do you have any idea or inkling of what that pain and process is to get to the other side, but all you see is the outcome. 2020, a new year. It's the perfect opportunity to take your business to the next level by hiring the right people. But finding qualified candidates can be challenging. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin makes it easy. ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there with their powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes and finds people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one, spotlighting the top candidates so you never miss a great match. It's so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And you're like, well, why does she or why does he get to do X, Y, and Z? Or why, why do they have this money or this car or that home? 
but you didn't go through what they went through to get there. And even if it was inherited, like whatever, why are you looking left and right? Why aren't you looking straight ahead to the things that you want to accomplish? That's for the haters out there. And on the flip side, if you have people in your life who are that kind of folk, get rid of them, even if they're family members. Because that's toxic, and it could only lead to destruction, as we saw with Black Wall Street. There's an old Russian joke uh, about a poor peasant whose better-off neighbor had just gotten a cow. And the peasant cried out to God for relief from his distress. And when God replied and asked, what, what do you want me to do? The peasant replied, kill the cow kill the cow. It, it is a story that kind of illustrates, there was another study that showed if um, on a job, if you're, the person that's doing the exact same job um, was to get like $100,000 more, but in them getting $100,000 more, you would get $10,000 more. Most people wouldn't take the $10,000 if it meant that the person sitting next to them got $100,000. They would rather not take the 10000 at all than to see that person get so much more. Kill my neighbor's cow. Nah, I'd rather not take extra money if it means that the person next to me gets 10 times more money than I'm getting. That mentality is prevalent. Uh, and, and if you know that, right, do you put yourself in a situation for people? And I struggle with this personally. Like, you know, if, you, if you're making money, and I know a lot of people, like, I'm not going to be flashy because I don't want people to be jealous. Uh, but the reality is the jealousy is that person's problem unless it becomes a mob, right? right? But, um, and that jealousy manifests. And so, I, I don't, I'm not going to show my success because if I show my success, then the people around me, my family members or whatever, they're going to be jealous. And then that's going to sow bitterness and blah, 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 blah. But the reality is you work for that, right? You work for that. You toil for that. You did whatever you had to do to get to that place. And why shouldn't you enjoy it? Why shouldn't you drive the car that you want to drive or live in the home that you want to live and build it from scratch why shouldn't you celebrate your success but too many of us won't do that and I get it so it's one of those conversations that we have to have with ourselves like what's the cost you know for Black Wall Street the cost was great but how did they even why why would they think somebody would destroy their entire existence out of jealousy because that's what that was and, and from O.W. Gurley's standpoint, he was just trying to make nice with the evil people across the, across the tracks because he knew. He knew. He was like, I need to, somebody needs to go over there and know what's up. Somebody needs to go over there and be able to talk sense into these people. But he was deemed a sellout. But the, as, I, as I read about this, the, the, the decimation and Black Fortunes really breaks it down and gives us insight that I had never read before or seen anyplace else. My question was, if Dick Rowland, the man accused of sexually assaulting a white woman, who then later said he didn't do anything and the cops were waiting. So O.W. Gurley was like, OK, um, so the, the, the sheriff said, let us wait until the crowd dies down and we'll let him out. They were going to let him go. But the black folk from Greenwood came over with the guns and that excited and incited the crowd, the lynch mob, to want to do more. And the sheriff was just like, just let, well, if he's innocent, let him out. That's justice, right? But if you know that there is no real justice, 
and you kind of get the temperament of people, then you have to move a little bit differently. And I get it. We're free. So why should we have to do these shenanigans? But because we live in a world that's hateful. And if you have enough of a crowd where people get their courage, because that's what you, you know that folks are cowards when they got to move like that. You know they're weak when they have to move like that. Jealousy is a weakness. Jealousy is a weakness. It's a smallness. It's, it's a cowardice. Because what you're basically saying is, I hate you for what you've been able to accomplish because I don't believe I, I couldn't accomplish that myself. Because that's what that is, right? I've never been jealous a day in my life because I, don't, I believe that there is nothing I can't accomplish. And I know some people hearing that might hate me for that. Shame on you. Yeah, I have that much confidence that I don't think there's a single thing that I think of in my mind that I'm not going to go and try to do. And if I fail at it, I've learned something and I'm going to come back again with those lessons and figure it out. I'm not looking at what you're doing. God bless everybody out there that's doing something amazing. I applaud you. Let's have a conversation about how you did it so maybe you can inspire somebody else. That's how I look at it and that's why I know you know, what that is on the other side. Because if you don't believe that you can do things then you're going to hate people that are because they show you up, that's a you problem. So if you're in that space, do better. If you have people in your life like that, get rid of them because there's nothing good that's going to come of it until they do the work, as Ayala would say, right? But the larger question is, as we start to build the worlds we want to live in, there's going to be a lot of success out there. How do we manage that? One of the books that's going to be on our book list, including Black Fortunes, is going to be Octavia Butler's great series, Earthseed. It's a whole series. We're going to read the whole series together. And she imagines a world at the end, uh, there's an apocalypse, where, you know, she's trying to create a community. Well, she has created a community that's self-sufficient in the midst of all of the terror and the horror that's going around. And guess what? People come and they take what these folks have built and they kill and they rape and they decimate because they're jealous that these people have the audacity to try to find normalcy in the midst of an apocalypse. And they want to take what's, they want to kill her cow. And they do. And I think about that often. You know, we, we, we build another Black Wall Street. <laughs> you know, what's to prevent them from doing it again? Well, you know, uh, I think we should build a black, another black Wall Street, and many of them, because there's strength in numbers, and that was what they had, uh, the numbers, the mob mentality. We need a mob mentality in the opposite, a mob mentality in the positive. But we built black Wall Street knowing that there's jealousy and hate, hate, hatefulness and evil and people that would rather kill your cow than to, than, to, than to have one. I mean, the man had a chance to pray to God to get a cow. He didn't pray, God, give me a cow too. No, kill the cow of my neighbor. That's a mentality. So you have to build with that in mind because it makes no sense for people who are builders that people would, because we you tend to judge people based on who we are. So if you're not wired that way, you can't possibly imagine that somebody would kill your cow just because you have one. <laughs> can't imagine it. You're, you would think, well, hey, I have a cow, go out, get your own cow. Work to earn your own cow. This is how you do it. I'll even help you. You can't imagine somebody would want your cow dead. But let's imagine that. Let's imagine as you build that there are people out there that want to destroy exactly what you have. And I don't want to be, you know, the, the, the chicken little of the crowd. But when it comes, it comes, and it comes furiously, and it comes unexpectedly because it makes no damn sense because it's something that's brewing over time. 
And I, I think I really am saddened about O.W. Gurley because he really tried. He really tried. And he was fighting on two fronts. He was fighting the white folk that he knew. He knew them. He knew that they were hateful. And it was just, you know, he had to keep like his finger in the dike to keep the, <laughs> the floodgates from opening on them. And then he f had to fight his own people who saw him as a sellout for having the, the wherewithal to go over there and talk to those folk. Was he wrong? Should he have said, let's not have any relationship with them? Let's, let's build a fortress around ourselves so that if they ever get froggy, we got them. We're going to shoot them on sight trying to come here because there's no business that they have over here, even though people did come to enjoy the restaurants and the entertainment because you know we get down. You know, white folks would come in, and that's probably where the jealousy was sown, right? Do we not let them in? Like, what kind of world is that? You know, it's complicated. But I think we're going to be in a situation where we're going to have to ask those questions again. I'm also encouraged, you know, in this book, um, Black Fortunes, it talks about the regentrification. So there's a Harlem. Harlem is known as probably the black Mecca of, of America, Harlem. But Harlem back in the 1890s was all white. I'm going to talk about that in the next podcast and how uh, it, one woman took over, <laughs> took over a town. I love that. She did, it was not like Black Wall Street where it was open field, open land, and folks had to develop it. She literally bought Harlem into blackness. And we'll talk about that the next podcast. But I love having these discussions. I hope it sparks something for, for you guys to have conversations among yourselves. And I think, you know, beyond the, the history of it, there are real-life um, representations of what we're talking about right now. And if you're listening and you're somebody that is striving and you're successful, you know that there are people that are hateful out there that hate your success. What, how do you handle that? Do you dress down? Do you not show your wealth? Do you, do you, do you, you know, placate them? Do you try to make them feel good? Because here's the truth. No matter what you do, the, the hate that's in them is in them. My thing is cut them off. Because eventually that hate is going to grow into something that's untenable. It's just a matter of time. That's what history has shown me. Don't let them in your house. Don't let them cross your path. Don't, don't forge friendships with them. That's the way I would do it. But maybe I'm wrong. Let me know what you think. Follow me on Twitter at Karen Hunter. Use the hashtag podcast so I can search for your comments. And let me know. All right. And share this podcast with as many people as you know. Also, um, follow me on YouTube. You can uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel at Karen Hunter Show. And uh, I'm also on Instagram, but I'm not really there that much. I post every now and then Karen Hunter Show as well. But I appreciate this. Uh, I appreciate your support. I appreciate your comments. I appreciate the disagreements even because that that uh, makes me stronger. Uh, Till next time. Thank you for listening.